A father begins to become concerned about the amount of time his family is spending in front of the television. So every day after work, he would walk through the front door, and there were his kids plopped down on the sofa watching cartoons. Then he would walk into the kitchen, and he would see the dishes piled to the ceiling and the trash can overflowing. Finally, he had had enough. So he calls his family in for a meeting. He said, look, guys, I'm getting a little bothered by all of the TV watching that's going on in this house. Kids, you need to do your homework before schoolwork, or your homework before you watch TV. And honey, could you please pick up the house and not spend so much time watching the soap operas? You know where this is going. His wife, clearly taken aback, taken back by his comments, begins to argue with him. Next thing you know, they are in a full-blown argument. Finally, the father has had enough, and he says, fine. If that's the way you want it, that's the way it's going to be. I am getting rid of that dumb TV just as soon as football season's over. Amen. (laughs) Well, there you have it. You know, it is football season once again here in Green Bay, so I think there's probably some truth in that joke. Well, let's get started. If you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 1. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 1. We're going to read several verses here today. We are continuing a series that we have started called Transgression. And you know, this series has been a little bit tough because we're talking about certain sins. And anytime we talk about sin, we tend to get our toes stepped on a little bit because the truth is we all struggle with different types of sins. And these are more your sins that are not as noticeable on the outside And so they they tend to step on our toes a little bit, but I believe that this message today is very timely in the climate that we're currently living in. Today's no exception of that. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, if you don't have a Bible or Bible app, you can follow up on the screens. We will post it there. So here we go, Matthew chapter 23, starting at verse number one. It says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So, practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show, On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at the banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk into the marketplace and be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Again, that's that title. We talked about titles a few weeks ago. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be be a servant." But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you shut the door of the king, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, but you won't go in yourselves and you don't let others in either. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. You blind guides, what sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. You blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred. And you say that to, you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, uh, but, but, uh, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind, for which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and God who sits on the throne what sorrow awaits you, religious, you teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your, from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. You blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy. You're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Verse 27, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with, hypocr with hypocrisy and lawlessness. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed, and you decorate the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed. Then you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would have never have joined them in killing the prophets. But in saying that, you testify against yourselves that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and just finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, son of vipers, how are you going to escape the judgment of hell? I'm calling this message the transgression of hypocrisy. Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ. This is something that, that Jesus spoke frequently on, but it is a very difficult subject to talk about because many of us are guilty of this very thing that we're talking about here today, Lord, myself included. So God, I just pray, Lord, that you would give me wisdom you would give me the mind of Christ. Father, if you don't anoint this message, this message will fall flat and it will do nothing. But God, if you anoint it, it has the power to change lives. So God, that is what I ask for today. I need your anointing and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 
When Mahatma Gandhi was the spiritual leader of India, he was asked by some Christian missionaries, what, in your opinion, is the greatest hindrance to Christianity in India? Even though Gandhi was a devout Hindu, he had studied other religions uh, quite frequently, and Christianity was one of those that he studied. When he was asked this question, he looked at the Christian missionaries, and his reply was, the greatest hindrance to Christianity here in India is other Christians. When Jesus walked this earth, his harshest words that he spoke, as we just read, were not to the sinners of the day, but rather his harshest words were spoken to the self-righteous religious hypocrites. In fact, with the sinners, he would be gentle. Remember the, the lady caught in the act of adultery? She was thrown down before Jesus. The religious elite stood around her with their arms crossed, and they said, the law says we should kill her for this sin. What do you say, Jesus? And as Jesus stooped down on the ground, he began to write something in the sand, and he said, I tell you what, the one, the per, the one of you that has no sin, let him throw the first stone. And the Bible says they all left one by one. After they left, Jesus turned to the woman and he said, where are your accusers? She said, I have none, Lord. And so he looks at her and says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus could have said to her, why are you breaking the commandments of God? You sinner. But he did not give her a lecture. Instead, he got rid of the religious hypocrites and then he dealt with her in love. Now, does that mean that Jesus approved of the way she lived? Absolutely not. For the same hand that wrote on the sand and the ground, driving the religious hypocrites away, is also the same hand that wrote on the stone of the Ten Commandments. God is very clear how He wants us to live, but for those that are lost in sin, we have to realize as Christians that to them, the Word of God is foolishness. Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. He says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we, he doesn't stop there, but we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. So Jesus understood that the people that did not have a relationship with God were going to walk in sin because the message of the cross and the word of God to them is foolish. I don't believe in that junk. I don't believe in those fairy tales. You might have heard that. However, those people that did have a relationship with God were held to a higher standard because they understood the message of the cross and they understood the power of God. Sometimes I feel like we as Christians, we spend too much time boycotting, we spend too much time criticizing and complaining about what the non-believers do and not enough time coming up with solutions to the problems that they are facing. I mean, how do we expect non-believers to live? I expect them to live worldly. I expect them to behave sinfully. I don't expect them to live according to Christian standards. 
The non-believer does not need another finger pointing in their face yelling, Sinner, you're going to hell. The non-believer needs to hear about the love of Jesus Christ that has the power to change their life. Why can't we expend our energy there? Why can't we expend our energy in proclaiming the gospel instead of protesting, protesting lifestyles that we feel are an abomination? Why can't we expend our energy getting to the heart of the matter instead of just dealing with symptoms? Because the heart of the matter is people are lost. And without Jesus Christ, eternity is not going to be good for them. This is why people make sinful choices to destroy their lives. They are lost. They need Christ. Instead of judging them and pointing the finger at them and telling them how hot hell is, what if instead we showed them the love of God through our actions? The word hypocrisy comes from the Greek word hypocrites. And it means, it's translated to mean actor, stage player, one who hides behind a mask. And I'm bringing this up as an illustration today. You're thinking this is going to think this is funny, but I'm not talking about the COVID mask. I just want to make sure that's very clear. Please do not go there. And it's sad I even have to say that, but I do. This is referring to the mask of an actor. An actor's mask. Hypocrisy is that gap between what we show others and who we really are. It's the difference between what we say and how we live. It's the difference between the person we see in public and the person we are in private. Can I be honest? This is something I have to check myself frequently on. Because what I have found is the longer we have been saved, the longer we have been following Christ, the longer we have served God, the easier it is to slip into the transgression of hypocrisy. The easier it gets the longer we've been saved to put on the mask of the actor. I shared this a few weeks ago, but imagine for a moment an individual on their phone and they're scrolling through social media feed and as they're scrolling, they see images of an individual that's trapped in homosexuality. They pause to condemn them. They speak insults about them. Sinner, they yell. Then they see another individual that's pro-abortion and again they yell, sinner. And they do this as they sit at the buffet table and load up their fifth plate of food and down their seventh glass of soda, never mind what the Word of God says about gluttony. We're going to talk more about that next week. But you see, what we do is we put on this nice little mask and we yell, sinner, to others as we hide our own. Author Brenning Manning said this, he said, the single greatest cause of atheism, now watch this, this is an interesting quote, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then they walk out the door and they deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Now think about that statement for just a moment. Look at last year. I watched Christians, not talking about just pastors, I, I, I watched that too, but I watched Christians who preached Jesus literally destroy other people 
that did not stand with them on their political beliefs or their beliefs of the masks. And now we've got the shot thing that's coming up. Their message, they preached Jesus, but their message was one of anger and hatred. It still is. I lost friends. I lost good friends because I would not jump on their bandwagon. People I love left this church. It hurt. It still hurts. We fight, we bicker, we condemn, and the unbeliever looks at us and they shake their head because we are preaching love. We are preaching unity, but our actions are showing them something different. And we're all hiding behind the actor's mask. Why would the unbeliever want that? Why would anyone want that? Paul writes this in Titus chapter 1 and verse 16. He says, such people claim they know God, but they deny him. They deny him. Take note of this, by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. Ouch. Jesus said that one of the signs of his return is going to be that the believers are hated all over the world. I preached about this last year in a, in a sermon series we did. And I told you I never seen that coming to America. I just didn't. I, I never understood how the believers would be hated here in America, but Jesus said that we would be hated all over the world, and that includes America. You see, we are a nation founded on the Word of God. In God we trust. How could, as I thought about this, I thought, how could a group of people carrying a message of love and salvation and spiritual freedom be hated by anyone, let alone a country founded on the principles of God. I did not understand that until last year, 2020, and I see it now. You see, the, you, 2020 was unique in the sense that the pressure of last year caused us to remove the mask, to remove the actor's mask. And I hate to say it, but when we removed our masks as Christians, the world did not see Jesus. The world saw someone that looked just like they do. And then that's when they begin to shout loudly, as Jesus said to the Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, this might make you a little uneasy and maybe even mad, but I'm telling you, I'm not here to tickle your ears and tell you what you want to hear. I'm telling you what you need to hear because I love you. I'm here to preach the Word of God so that you can become more like Jesus and less like the world. It was the religious leaders that Jesus was the harshest with, and sometimes I think we forget about that. Why? Because they were pretending to be something they were not. You see, at least those walking in sin were real. Did you commit adultery? Yeah, I did. I'm, I messed up. They were honest. The religious people, they pretended to be holy when the reality was they were unholy. They pretended to be committed when they were uncommitted, and they wore the mask of the actor. Jesus calls them this lukewarm in the book of Revelation, a lukewarm Christian. Here in Matthew chapter 23, which we read earlier, Jesus confronts the transgression of hypocrisy that's within the religious people. 
he's speaking to a crowd of people and he, he's using the teachers of the law and the Pharisees as an example. Verse 1 again, this is what he said. He said to the crowds and to his disciples, that's who he's talking to now, he said, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees, they are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. They are the ones that tell you what it says. So I want you, this is what he's telling them, I want you to practice and obey what they tell you. Because what they're telling you isn't the problem. But don't follow their example. They don't practice what they teach. Jesus tells them, I want you to do what they say. Do what they, do what they preach. What they said and they preached wasn't the problem. What they preached was the word of God. What they preached was the truth. But then he goes on, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Don't follow them. For they don't live what they preach. They all wear the actor's mask. They're all hypocrites. After issuing this warning to those listening, he begins to give several examples and warnings to those that wear the mask, the actor's mask. Notice Jesus did not say, woe to you who drink, woe to you who watch bad shows, woe to you who cuss or date the girls that do. He didn't say any of that. He said, woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you who do all of this stuff, but you act like you don't. He was calling out the actor's mask. Drop the actor's mask. Yes, I follow Christ. I love Jesus, but I'll be the first to tell you I am a sinner. There are days that I struggle with pride. There are days I struggle with connecting with God as I should because I allow myself to become too busy disconnecting myself from the vine. These are things that I do, things that I struggle with. There are times that I don't treat people the way that I should. I get flustered. I may be the pastor, but I'm telling you, please don't place me on a pedestal because I struggle with junk just as much as anyone does. And it's hard to be a Christian, but not only a Christian, but also in a position where people have this expectation that you're supposed to model exceptional behavior and I'm going to tell you, I fail every time with that, with that expectation. I got a lot of work to do yet. Don't say amen to that. I try to get better every day, but the reality is I fail sometimes, not intentionally. And my goal is to be real with you, to show you that I'm not perfect. I will fail you. This is why Jesus tells us to follow who? Him. Doesn't say follow Matt. He says follow me, follow him. I want to point you towards him because he will never let you down. I will let you down. Don't follow me. I'll let you down. Paul said, Paul himself said, follow me only as I follow Christ. I've been following Christ for a long time. I still have a long ways to go. But you see, it's this realization that I am a sinner that keeps that judgmental, hypocritical spirit away from me. But it's a fight. You see, rather than looking at someone trapped in addiction and saying, I'm sure glad I'm not like that, I can say I'm a sinner. My sin just looks differently than theirs. So instead of judging them and looking down on them, why don't instead I grab their hand and I help them walk through life and we walk through life together? In any great forest, you'll find many huge trees. They tower above the other trees. They appear to be the very picture of strength and maturity. 
However, loggers will sometimes not even bother to cut down these trees, and at first you would wonder, why, why would you leave them? After all, a tree that big must contain two to three times the amount of wood of one of the smaller trees, and the reason for that is simple. Those huge trees are often hollow on the inside. They're rotten. They're the trees that you typically see in children's books with the raccoons living in them. And they're the trees that are oftentimes blown over in a strong windstorm because while they appear to have the picture of strength, it is their hollowness on the inside that actually makes them weak. And that's the essence of hypocrisy. We appear strong on the outside. We appear like a strong Christian, but we're hollow and rotten on the inside. Someone once said, you can fool all of the people some of the time. You can fool some of the people all of the time, but you can't fool God any of the time. God knows and sees everything. So, what should we do? What should you do if you're sitting in here and you're a little convicted this morning? Because I was convicted just writing this. I want you to remember that God will never condemn you. Condemnation comes from the enemy. Condemnation is the voice you hear that says you will never be good enough. All I do is fail. I can't do anything right. That's the voice of condemnation. That's not from God. Rather, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Convict means to bring it to light or to expose it. The Holy Spirit will bring to light areas within us where we are falling short so that we can make the decision to repent and change or we can choose to ignore it and stay the same. Regardless of what you choose, the truth is God will still love you. God died, Jesus died for us while we were sinners. So if you choose to reject the word of God, it does not change God's love for you. Let me paint a word picture. You have a child. Your child does something wrong and they mess up. If you say things like, you're so dumb, you're never going to get it right, all you do is make mistakes, that's the voice of condemnation. Those words would be destructive to your child. There are parents that speak that over their children. It's typically, if you dig down to the root of that, it's typically because they believe that about themselves and hurting people hurt people. And until they heal, personally, they will continue to do that. Now, instead, if you say things like, you know what, you messed up, but that mistake doesn't define who you are because it's not who you are. You're better than that. So let's learn from it. Let's turn the other direction and let's not repeat that. I love you and I believe in you. That's the voice of conviction. You messed up, yes, but that's not who you are. You acted out of character. Do you see the difference between the two? So many of us, we listen to and we even believe the, the voice of condemnation because that voice is usually louder. God loves you. He wants you to realize and understand when you've gone wrong and you make the decision to get better. I'm sure you've heard the expression, it's time to face the music. This statement originated in Japan years ago with the Imperial Orchestra. It was very prestigious to belong to this particular orchestra. Only the finest musicians were allowed to be a part of this. Well, there was one man that he desperately wanted to join, but he simply had not a lick of talent. 
He couldn't play a single, a single musical instrument to, to save his life, but he happened to be a very wealthy man. So he said, he went to the conductor and he said, I'm going to pay you a large amount of money if you allow me to be in the orchestra because I want to play for the emperor. The conductor agreed. The conductor took his money and he said, I'm going to give you a flute here. When the orchestra plays, just move your hands up and down the flute. Just move your fingers. Hold it up to your lips. Pretend that you're playing. It's so big people will believe you. The guy got into the orchestra. He'd play his little flute, though he wasn't really playing it. Everybody thought he was a great musician. He played before the emperor. Until one day a new, a new conductor took over. And this conductor wanted to find out how good each individual musician was. So he wanted every one of them to personally audition before him. The flutist was terrified because he couldn't play a note, so he pretended to be sick. But as you can imagine, his lies finally caught up with him. He finally had to admit, guys, I'm a fake. You see, he couldn't face the music. And that's where the expression came from. He, he was afraid to face the music. And one day, we're going to be standing, you and I, before God himself we're going to be standing before the creator of this world. You will not stand before me at judgment. You will stand before the creator. And though we might have done a brilliant job fooling other people in the church, we have to face the music someday. How will you play your instrument? Because at that point, if you're not the real deal, it's going to show. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I'm not saying... I'm not saying you have to be flawless because I would immediately disqualify myself if that's the case. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to slip up. But the key is to learn from them when we mess up and say, Lord, I want to grow. I want to be more like you. The key is not to be the person that thinks you're better than everyone else. That's what Jesus was addressing here with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They thought they were better than everybody. It's, I call them one of those holier-than-thou Christians. This is the transgression of, of hypocrisy that Jesus came against, and he came against it hard. Because it is this attitude, the attitude that I am better than you, that is destroying the name of Christianity. This attitude completely contradicts the teachings of Jesus, but yet I see Christians doing it, and doing it in the name of the Lord. We all need to realize that we are guilty of sin. Paul tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, I am no better than someone down the block sitting high on drugs right now. Their sin just looks different than mine. We've all sinned. Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, Jesus tells a story to illustrate this great truth. He's speaking to some of these holier-than-thou people, some good old religious people that they thought they're better than everyone else, and here's what he said. Then Jesus told this story. He, look who he's talking to. To some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee. The other's a despised tax collector. is a sinner. People we might look down on because they're not like us. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. I'm not a cheater. I'm not a sinner, an adulterer. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of all my income. 
But the tax collector, the despised man, stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. And as he prayed, instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, "O oh God." Be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Now look what Jesus says in verse 14. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. There it is. Same thing he told the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. I want to encourage you today, as Christ followers, no more games. Guys, it's time for us to remove the actor's mask. It's time for us to put it down. No more pretending. Be real with yourself and others. You know what? If people judge you because of a, an area that you messed up in, that's, that's between let God deal with them and their hypocrisy because they're guilty of things too. You know what I've found? I get more compliments from people when I talk about my failures in life than I do when I talk about my successes because I realize that when I talk about my failures, it actually encourages people and gives them hope. Because if I have struggled with this and I have beat it, then you can beat it, away, beat it as well because we all serve the same God. I want to encourage you, don't pretend to be some holy man or holy woman when you know you're not. Just come to God as you are and ask him for forgiveness. Come before God and lay down the actor's mask because he knows, and he knows it all. Let him change you and transform you into the person he has created you to be. I close with this story. Years ago, a couple moved into a new neighborhood. The next morning, they're sitting down eating breakfast. The young woman saw her neighbor hanging her wash out to dry. You might have heard this. The lady said to her husband, that laundry's not very clean. She must not know how to do laundry correctly. Perhaps she needs better laundry soap. Her husband looked on and remained silent. Every time her neighbor hung the wash out to dry, the young woman repeated the observations about how dirty the neighbor's laundry was. About a month later, the woman was surprised to see a nice, clean wash on the line. And she said to her husband, look, dear, she finally learned how to wash correctly. I wonder who taught her how to do this. The husband said, nobody taught her how to do that. I got up early this morning, and I cleaned our windows. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3. He says, why do you see the speck in, that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Very quickly, we can point out the sins of others, but we ignore with the mask, we ignore our own. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First remove the log out of your own eye then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It starts with you. starts with me. I can't help you if I don't fix this guy first. I have to fix this first. Or I'm worthless to you guys. I can't, do, I can't help you. I can't take you to a place I've never been. I have to be healed and I have to be restored and set free from this junk first before I can help you. There's an old saying that says, you're only as strong as you are honest and you have nothing to fear when you have nothing to hide. You know how true that is? You know how freeing that is when you have nothing to hide? I don't care who goes through my computer. I don't care who looks through my stuff at home. 
I have nothing to hide. I don't care. You have nothing to fear when you have nothing to hide. It's clear from Scripture that that Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but he has unlimited grace for a sinner in need of forgiveness. You cannot step outside of the bounds of God's grace. God is always offering forgiveness to the person who truly repents of the sin they have been living in. And maybe today is the day you clean your windows, so to speak, and you begin to look at other people in a different perspective. Can I have you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I just want to thank you for this word today. I know it's a, I know it's a difficult word. It's a challenging word. Even to me, God, I was challenged by it. But Father, we, I, I desire to become more like you. I desire for your people to become more like you, less like the world. And so sometimes in order to, to get steered in those directions, we need these, these strong words, these messages to show us where we have gone wrong so then, Holy Spirit, you can come in and, and start the process within us, God, to make us more like you. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, for those of us today, God, that are, that are needing to clean our own windows, so to speak, that we would walk out of this place and we would quit being so judgmental towards other people that sin differently than we do. We would begin to treat other people with love as you instruct us to do. For your word says that's how the world will know that we are your true disciples is by our love. Let us be those individuals, God, that are showing that are coming up with solutions to the world's problems rather than just pointing the finger of condemnation and hate. You came to this earth, God, with a solution to die on the cross for our sin. You didn't come to this world to condemn us. You came to this world with with a solution to save us, to set us free. And God, we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your word that will never return void, that it is powerful. It is strong and it changes lives and changes hearts. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have you keep your head bowed and your eyes closed.